Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, get your directs and mentor. Here we go. Folks, it's getting into the latter half of 2014. The employment market is heating up. Um, if your resume is not ready, you need to get it ready because you're going to get calls and you need to brush up on your interviewing skills. If you don't already have our interviewing series, uh, probably our most popular product, we encourage you to come to the website and check it out. We'll get down in the weeds and tell you what to say and how to say it. I think you and I both agree, and I know I've been guilty of this as well, right? We all are at points in our careers, which is as managers, we're, <laughs> we underdevelop our directs. Yeah. The vast majority of folks do. And it's, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And look, there are good reasons, good and bad reasons, I suppose, right? I'd say the two biggest reasons we are that as managers, we don't know how to develop them. And the other one is we don't have time. And a big part of that is people's misconceptions about coaching, the idea that they have to be the trainer and spend hours and hours and hours right. training somebody, which, which, of course, our coaching model says, no, you're wrong. You don't have to do that. Um, you're not meant to do that. But having other people mentor your directs addresses the issue of, hey, I don't have time to develop my directs. And we simply suggest that a manager being involved in getting their directs mentors is smart because why wouldn't you want to be involved in who's mentoring your directs? Why leave it to your directs? Yeah, exactly. They don't know, they don't know the topic, the subject, or the skill. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear. First line, frontline managers who are managing individual contributors, it's very often true, and it's no fault of the individual contributor. They haven't had a chance to build their network yet their internal or their external network. If they haven't done so, it's going to be real hard if you tell them, hey, you ought to get a mentor. The first thing they feel is, oh, geez, you know, I know what a mentor is, but I don't know anybody who could be my mentor. I'm, I'm uncomfortable asking. Right. Uh, except for the high eyes, there's almost nobody who go, yeah, oh, sure, I'll go ask somebody. Yeah, particularly for those people, you know, high C's and high S's who might be concerned about not knowing and being wrong, right? And and yeah. and then going out to a network that they haven't fully developed and try to find somebody to help them with something that they're bad at. I don't know. Yeah. That just <laughs> not encouraging. Yeah. So this is a chance for you to share your network with your directs. Um, makes less sense. So so here's our outline. First, you want to consider, you want to spend some time considering your directs needs. Doesn't take long, takes about an hour uh, for a team of five to ten people. Um, consider potential mentors whom you know right? We want to make a list. You also start with your top one to two performers. You do not try to get everybody on your team a mentor. It's a waste of time. Then you offer to make connections based on your analysis of who needs what, and who's like who, and so on. You follow along and you follow up, make sure things are getting done. You term limit a mentoring relationship when it's warranted, when it's necessary. And then once you've done that for your top one or two performers, if you feel like it's working, you can expand the program to include more of your directs. Okay, so considering your directs needs, oh man, it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, no, I, yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, and in fact, these are these moments where I feel like we, you and I wish we'd had manager tools years ago because you say, oh, how do I do that? I don't know how. No, no, no. I'm, I'm learning this for the first time on these casts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate straight man. My goes him. Um, he's here all week, folks. Yeah. I would say, well, what do you do? A and this is one of those moments that gets to manager's fundamental fear. And that is everybody else knows what they're doing, but I don't. 
Well, folks, we've said it before. We'll say it again if you're new to the cast. Nobody else knows what they're doing either. (laughs) It's so true. It really is. Our purpose at Manager Tools is to put out there um, the basic processes, the basic templates, the basic quick and dirty ways to do things. You won't get a master's in management with us, but you'll get something much more realistic, much more worthwhile, which is usable information. Um, We're not going to teach you theory. And we know the feeling. We know the feeling of, well, everybody else probably knows what to do, but I don't know. And is who? what's the best way to do it? Well, the best way to do this is probably a three-week process, which nobody has time for. I'll never forget um, the first time I was at GE and um, a manager whom I respected, a mid-level manager, a senior director, pulled out some 3 by 5 cards. And I said, tell me about the cards. He's like, I just got all my people's names on them. And it just reminds me periodically of their strengths and weaknesses. And if I see a, they're in pen. And if I see a potential weakness forming, or if I notice they're starting to do better on something, I'll write in pencil a new strength or a new weakness um, just to keep me grounded in what they are. I said, hey, that's cool. Where'd you learn that? He said, I don't learn this. I just did it. Hmm. Uh, I figured it would be an easier way to do it. And I told other managers and they were like, that's genius. Yeah. And this manager had said, I didn't want to share it with people because I thought everybody else had their own way that was like smarter and they would think three by five cards were dumb. And that encapsulates this fear of not knowing that managers have. So that that's what we're going to do here. You do a quick overview of your direct strengths and weaknesses. If you have 10 directs, it shouldn't take more than an hour. We're talking about five minutes per direct, guys, that's all. Now, before you think that you ought to spend a half an hour to really do this right, a bit of a cautionary note that follows along from the three by five card story. Guys, you don't know what you're doing yet here, okay? It's highly unlikely that you're gonna spend a couple of hours on this and figure out on your own the perfect way to create a good needs analysis the first time you do one for your directs. And all that time you'll have to spend creating your super special process just increases the chances that you will never finish. Yeah. Ever. Right. You don't even start the process because you're like, oh, it'll take hours. I got to go figure it out. I got to do research on the web and everything else. So guys, do it the quick and dirty way the first time you do it. Okay. Or if you prefer not the quick and dirty way, the high seas are going, no, no, (laughs) quick and dirty is the devil's workshop. Say, okay, then say this, we're going to iterate on a process. That's what's the new word, iterate on a process. There you go. We're going to have a gamma version and a beta version before we have our actual alpha version. Okay. Then, after you've done one round of mentoring, you can tidy up your process a bit, make it a little bit easier, make it a little bit better. And the second time, You'll know what you're doing. You'll have been through the process. You know what it feels like, and then you can strengthen your process a little bit. And the second time you do it, you'll feel confident about what you're doing, and then you might be willing to share it with other people, which is always a good plan. Um, Start with your friends first, as I always say. Okay, so the quick and dirty way is easy. You take a plain sheet of paper, and you dedicate roughly a quarter of a page per direct. You split it down the middle. The way I've done it for years is you create a table in Word. 25 rows, two columns, 20-point type. And by the way, the way you do that is you set the the document, a blank document, to 20-point type before you create the table. Um, And you use 20-point type, so if you actually want to print out each row, if you want to 
print the page out and handwrite on it, you'll still have room to handwrite in 20-point rows um, uh, if it's printed out. So, And by the way, licensees, there's a sample one at the end of the show notes for this cast. After the last page, the cast, the next page is a sample. Quick and dirty, uh, strengths and weaknesses analysis. And, and basically, uh, those 25 rows just about fill out the page vertically. It gives you about four to five rows per direct. I like to put bullets in each cell. And every fourth or fifth row, you highlight a row, you merge the cells in the row, you get rid of the bullet, you center the, the writing, and you, it gives you room to write somebody's name. You only center it if, you, if you're going to type in it. Now, you might think it'd be better to have individual pages, one per, and we're not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you're not going to be able to fill up a page writing standard size. You're just not. You don't need to have that much information. You might, over the course of a year, constantly adding to it. Um, but if a person has 17 strengths and 15 weaknesses, I'm making that up, the idea that you're going to be working on, on weakness 13 or work weakness 9 is impossible. It's, it's never going to happen. And, and keep in mind, folks, you're not going to help your people get better by only improving on their weaknesses. Okay, That's not where success comes from. Success comes from strengths. So if you're thinking about single pages, often when people talk to us, well, let's have a single page for everybody. That's really good for reporting on your people, but it's a little less effective for the thinking you're going to be doing here. Yeah, which is the important part, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Rather than thinking, oh, my boss may want to see this. Don't assume your boss is going to want to see this. And frankly, hey, bosses of the world, don't tell your directs if they have a good process to clean it up before they send it to you. Mm. Tell them to send you their work. If there's something good they're doing, don't make them do more work to make it neat so you can understand it. Yeah, don't, don't create a disincentive for them to <laughs> yeah. share their, their work with you. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm better not showing my boss. He's going to want me to make, put in a yeah. pretty report. Yeah. Yeah, so here's the thing. You're going to be thinking about each of your directs for five minutes or so, maybe 10. You, you know if you've listened to our cast on brainstorming, you don't need to spend more than a couple of minutes on brainstorming because if there's just two people in the room like a boss and a direct if you're doing brainstorming on something coaching for instance more than two minutes you're going to run out of ideas now if you have 20 people in the room you may last 15 20 minutes but for the most part you're thinking about one person about five to ten minutes max is all you're going to be able to spend on one person before you're going to be twiddling your thumbs going gee I've, i think i've thought of everything okay it really helps to see your thinking about other directs as you work on each one. So having separate pages tends to compartmentalize our thinking, whereas having one page and keeping it to one page, or, or maybe two pages, if you've got 10 or 20 directs, um, really helps you stay in the flow of thinking about the evaluation and the strengths and weaknesses rather than totally going deep dive on each one person. That's been our experience, having done this many, many times. So the left column is for strengths. The right column is for weaknesses. If you've heard us talk about baseball cards before and you've done a baseball card, you'll probably find your work mostly done. Uh, this also relates to the quick and dirty one-page annual review we've talked about before. This is like um, probably like 30, 45 minutes per direct is probably the appropriate amount of time. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you want to write them a love note or something. Now... <laughs> I love my Five drinks. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too, but I don't write them love notes, man. <laughs> so <laughs> Just five saying. minutes per direct. 
like I said, you'll probably run out of out of ideas after that long. And managers sit around and say, "Well, I'll give a half an hour each direct. I want to give them a full full amount of time." Well, look, we've done that before. You run out of ideas, and it's as if you think that thirty minutes is the right amount of time. What would make you think you would know what the right amount of time is? And I don't mean to suggest that we know it and you don't, guys. I'm simply saying, don't beat yourself up the first time you do a process that there's some right way and you don't know it. Because trust me, there is no right way. Because of course, once you've done this and you file it in your folder or in, your, or in the one-on-one notebook, wherever you're going to keep it, once you file it, I mean, you can never add to it or subtract from it. I mean, oh, right. exactly. You this couldn't is, like once you later on it, think of something well and then go back chis- and add chisel it. it. Chisel it in stone. <laughs> and then it, you can never use this document again. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, if it is a Word document, you can, you can handwrite in it and then type that up and then just add more rows every once in a while. It's fine. And maybe you could even use colors and change the things you've, you've coached or mentored people on in green and things that are weaknesses that haven't been worked on yet are red and mm. things that have been yeah i like numbers that yeah. that reference some other database somewhere yeah exactly <laughs> yeah do we need to build the database you want to go over building the database here um yeah, that'll, that'll be to next it. week's cast next week's cast yeah okay the geek the manager geek cast okay and look for your top performers whom you ought to do first we want to suggest you add another layer to your thinking Okay. Remember, you're just looking at strengths and weaknesses. Performance, uh, you know, the classic thing that we use when we think about interviewing is skills and abilities and traits and characteristics. Skills and abilities, things that they can do, and traits and characteristics, things about them. Okay. Um, that's what you're doing strengths and weaknesses on. And what you do with your top people is ask yourself about gaps they may have relative to what would be typical roles they'd be most likely to move into or have expressed interest in. In other words, you probably think of their strengths and weaknesses as existing right now based on the role that they're in, but you need to add an extra level of thinking on top of that was now let's look at their skills and abilities, traits and characteristics relative to the next job they're going to be in. And probably they're going to be a couple of more weaknesses. Or if you don't want to say, uh, uh, well, they're going to be weaknesses. They may not be in traits and characteristics. Maybe your top one or two people just are solid professionals all the way around. They may be young. They may not be mature yet. But hey, we were young ones too. Um, one of the great problems with managers is we forget when we learned things. And the moment you learn something and you become comfortable with it, our memory plays tricks on us and suggests to us that we've always known that thing. Our experience with a skill or ability in the now, in the moment, seems to become retroactive to things we did years before. And it's just not so. When you look forward, when you put them into the next role, the thing that they're uh, for your directs, the thing, uh, the the skills and abilities, you're probably going to have some more weaknesses. Now, you may want to put an asterisk by them if you want to say, you know, he's fine now, but if I put him in a manager role, here's the things he wouldn't know how to do. And by the way, you know, every once in a while I remind people, all of our stuff fits together. We don't put out guidance that that is jarringly different than other stuff that we've recommended because all of this stuff coheres around the basic principles of of professionalism and performing and results and retention and so on. And so this reminds me of our cast on delegation, where we talk about what would happen if one of your directs had never done your job and then they get promoted into your job. Now, everything in your job is new. 
Well, if you start thinking that one of your directs is somebody who could get promoted to your level, particularly if they're an individual contributor, and you don't start giving them part of your job, you're dooming them to take over a job that's completely new to them. They've never done budget, so they're going to do that for the first time when they're being graded on it. They've never maybe run a meeting. They've never given a lot. They've only given one presentation. It was horrible. They've never trained somebody else. Um, they've never done a 45-minute presentation. Maybe they've never gone on business travel, those kinds of things. And all of those things are new. And you're dooming them to do poorly in their first year on the job. So for those top performers, add that layer of thinking that says, if they were in that next role, how would I evaluate them? What would they do well? What would they do poorly? Again, don't just base it on traits and characteristics. Think about skills and abilities. And make a list of the stuff that they're going to need to do that they don't know how. And then ask yourself if there are things you could delegate to them or delegate to them and have a mentor help them with that would get them ready if, in fact, a promotion might be in their future. Hmm. And one more thing, I should have said this. It could be that something that they do now is a strength. But if they were going to get promoted, for again, for your top one or two performers, could become a weakness. Make sure you go down that list carefully. Now, look, you want to go further? You want to really dig deep on this thing? Go back and review past performance reports, annual reviews, and one-on-one forms. Oh, that's a great source of data. <laughs> yeah, one-on-one forms is just no-brainer. Um, and maybe it'll help, but probably only a little bit. This is only for those of you who really feel like, I want to over-prepare. I want a belt and suspenders, and then maybe I'll carry an extra belt in my pocket. And you can't write things down without, you know data to support your conclusions, right? So you need yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and the data has to have been validated by an external reference. Absolutely. Point, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, sure. glad you're, yeah. I'm glad you and I see eye to eye. Exactly. I mean, seriously, <laughs> what would the world be without data? I, I don't know. Um, who needs emotions? Um, who cares about love, right? I mean, really. <laughs> um, look, you don't need to list everything they're good and bad at. Because a mentor isn't going to fix everything they're bad at or have time to work on more than one or two things. Okay, but if you want a more complete list, go back through annual reviews and go back through uh, one-on-ones as well. Now, you'll notice we said, we've alluded to the idea that you're going to mentor your, I think I told you at the top of the show, one or two, you're going to mentor your top one or two people first, but we're going to recommend you do this strengths and weaknesses analysis for everybody on your team. The reason for that is we want to get you thinking in this mindset. Because when executives look at people three or four levels down, they can't know the person. They can only know their results and probably some sense of their strengths and weaknesses. This is how senior people talk about people a couple of levels down in your organization. Now, you may say to yourself, I had this conversation just last week with somebody. Well, Mark, sometimes that's why they get it wrong. I said, yeah, sure. They don't have full insight into that person three levels down that they've decided she's going to be great someday when, in fact, everybody around her knows, no, she's really not, and the senior people just like her. Yeah, they don't know everything, and they can't know. There's no way that some VP can know the strength of every single manager who is four levels down from him or her. They're not going to do it. So what they talk about is the results somebody had and their strengths and weaknesses, and they compare those to the jobs they could potentially get them and see where the fits are and where the misfits are. But it's really good to do this for everybody in your team to get in the right mindset. It will help you communicate better with more senior people, and it'll make you better every time you do it. We don't need a full uh, personality assessment 
of each of your directs in order to pick mentors, okay? Uh, once you've done that, it's time to ask, where might a mentor be helpful, okay? And that's our next step. Because even though if in the next 12 months you only get mentors for two or three of them, again, we want to lump the thinking together. Something you do, because you don't do it that often, it's better to concentrate the time you do it at one go, okay? Having to do this kind of thinking, this kind of analysis, each time you consider a direct three or four or five or six times a year, is like reinventing the wheel each quarter. So mm-hmm. don't, do, don't do it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. Next step, considering potential mentors. Sorry, guys. It's early in the morning. I'm sure Paul Figiani, our fabulous audio engineer, will say, I heard Mark drink some coffee. I'm like, that reminds me. We've been doing this nearly 10 years now. And I remember the person who wrote in when I was bar- oh, could I barely get out of bed. And I was sipping, I think, I had throat lozenges in. And this person says, I can tell when you're eating and it's totally unprofessional. And if I hadn't been able to have throat lozenges, I never would have done that show. We've never missed a show, and I don't think we ever will, now that we have Lynette and Danny and Wendy to help us. But, um, yeah. Uh, So, folks, if you don't like me drinking coffee on these casts that go longer, particularly since we do them early in the morning and often late at night, well, okay, we're sorry. Folks, we love you guys. If we didn't love you guys, there's no way we would do this for free. Next step, considering potential mentors whom you know. Now that you've gotten a rough sense of your directs, it's time to think about mentors, okay? For most of us, it's going to be the hardest part because our internal and external networks are so weak. Oh, now you're going to go back. Because we've had cast on this. We've told people to do that. Are you suggesting that folks really haven't really paid as much attention to this as they should? Is Um, that what you're saying? No, I'm not. I'm not actually not saying that at all. I'm. Okay, yeah, I am saying that. Totally. You're that's not suggesting that. it. You're just saying yeah. it, yeah. But, but, but again, let's not be dark mark here and say, guys, okay, your network is not where it should be. We respect that, okay? We're not going to beat you up about it. Now, we could because we've said it a billion times, but trust us, Mike and I's internal and external networks were weak too. Now, we often joke about what we learned before technology became such a huge and powerful and effective part of our lives. But, but I'll tell you one thing. If you think it was easier before we had smartphones and, and laptops and Microsoft Outlook and so on, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Um, technology makes your network so much easier. There's all kinds of contact software, all kinds of things. In fact, the reason I bought a, a trio, my first trio years ago, and I know that dates me, guys, but... Yeah, half our audience doesn't know what that yeah, is. But yeah, okay, exactly. Go, go on. A palm, palm trio was because of the contact software so that I could keep people's phone numbers in mind. Folks, years ago, when Mike first got out of the Army after I'd been out, he had heard good things about my transition. He didn't know how to get in touch with me. I left the army. He was still in the army. And all he knew was that I'd grown up in Los Angeles. And so he called directory assistance. That tells you how old we are, guys. He called directory assistance. Yeah, and folks, if you don't know, that's that's you know a number you call, and there's yeah. a person on the other side who yeah. <laughs> looks up numbers for you. I think he probably called 1213-555-1212, right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, probably on a rotary phone. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> okay, not that. I don't no. know. And the operator said, 
can I help you? And you said, I like horsemen in that area code. I, we grew up in Los Angeles. And she said, sir, there are how many? Like 200 of them? 264, if I recall. Yeah, two, two, uh, I remember like 213, but regardless, over 200. And Mike said, give me the first one. And my mom answered the phone. And that's why Mike and I didn't completely lose touch. It's a lot easier now with your smartphones reminding you to stay in touch once a quarter. And I encourage you to listen to our cast about building a network. Wendy and I talk probably once every two months on Career Tools that the most important cast we will ever do in Career Tools is building a network. Careers are about results and relationships. We've been talking a while. We're close to 30 minutes thereabouts, and uh, we got a ways to go. So let's stop it there, and we'll pick this up next week. Good. Okay. I was actually getting excited about this, though, Mike. Yeah, and it's, it's good. I know. So is our audience, I hope. So it's a little, little anticipation. It's good. Make them come back, want more. Good. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. I know Mark and I did. Um, we'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.